This is an Our Savior Evangelical Free Church podcast. To learn more, visit osefc.org. Let's open up to Proverbs chapter 1 in your Bibles. Proverbs chapter 1 in your Bible is where we're going to be this morning. Proverbs will be just in the middle of your Bible. It's an Old Testament book, 31 chapters. It's just to the right of Psalms, which would be probably in the middle of your Bible. So open to Proverbs chapter 1 as we begin a new series this morning that I have planned to take us all the way through summer. And let me just tell you why I think this is an important series. We live in a world filled with noise. Everywhere you go is noisy. Every moment of your day, there are people vying for your attention. Some things, sometimes it's the problems you're facing. You have immediate needs that need your attention. You've got long-term needs that you're trying to plan for, give attention to what's coming up. You have a device in your pocket or in your purse right now competing for you to pick it, them, to listen to people, to turn your focus and give your engagement toward somebody else. That's constantly happening. I was thinking about it this week. People aren't bored anymore. We're never bored. We don't sit and wait. What do we do? We pull out our phones, go to a doctor's office. You used to just see people sitting there, they'd kind of flip through those old magazines, you know, three-year-old issue of People magazine. People don't do that anymore. We sit on our phones and we scroll. We scroll and we scroll and we scroll. Uh, I, I got gas the other day. I don't want to brag, but I have a full tank of gas right now. I'm pretty financially, uh, pretty financially solvent. Uh, so I was getting gas, and I was looking around. When you used to get gas, what did you do? You would sit there, and you would just kind of stand there, and you would look around. You'd do that little thing where you know, drum, you'd drum with your thumbs on the top of your car while you wait for the gas to pump. Now, everybody's scrolling on their phone, or they're watching that little te- television, which is a whole other thing. Do we need to watch TV while our gas is being pumped? We're never bored. There's always someone or something trying to get your attention. And so you need to decide who you're going to listen to. Uh, Pastor Tim said, why don't we put a subtitle on this series? We don't, we don't always do this. We're not creative series titlers. We, just, we preach Colossians and we just call it Colossians. But I think this feels like it'll be helpful to add something to this. And so we're calling this summer series Proverbs, a voice of wisdom. And we wrestled a little bit with those words. We we wanted to know, should it be a voice of wisdom or should it be the voice of wisdom? And we landed on A, uh, not because we think there are lots of voices of wisdom that rival Proverbs, but because we just didn't want you to give, to give the impression that Proverbs is the only wisdom we should listen to. There, there's the whole Bible is the full counsel of God. All of it is useful. We have the Holy Spirit who lives inside of believers and we can pray to and we can receive direction and illumination from. 
God has gifted us with common sense that accords with biblical teaching. And he's given us Christian friends that we might seek counsel from again when it lines up with what the Bible's saying. So we need all of those things. So this is Proverbs A, voice of wisdom. And all of those things, the people, ideas, common sense, the wisdom of the Lord and the the teaching of the Holy Spirit come together in this book. So Proverbs is important for you because your life is a journey filled with choices. Uh, Many of life's most crucial decisions won't be made between what is clearly right and clearly wrong. Usually don't get that lucky. It's usually not that easy. Life's decisions are made when you have two or three options. They all seem fine. Or sometimes you've got one or two options and neither of them are good. So the choice is just with what what honors God and and what's true and what's moral versus what are going to absolutely shame Christ and defy God, those are easy. You don't need a lot of help with those. You know, I, I don't have to say, you know, the Bible says that you shouldn't murder. So don't murder. And then you don't have to say, oh, I was thinking about murdering later today, but because the Bible says it, I thank you for clarifying that for me, Pastor. We don't need that. But we do need the wisdom of God for us. What do we do? What is a Christian's response when we're wronged? We know it's not murder. That's easy. But when we're wronged or we wrong somebody else, then what do we do? then who do we listen to? So Proverbs takes up these big questions in the middle. What is wise? What is good? What is just? It is a book for us today. We're going to take the first half of the chapter this morning. I'm going to split it into three sections of very different lengths. In, In verses one to six, We're given an invitation. Verse 7 is a choice. Verses 8 to 19 are a warning. An invitation, verses 1 to 6, an invitation, like asking if you want the chance of a lifetime. Verse 7, a choice, like your life depends on it, because it does. That's how high the stakes are. Your life depends on what choice you're going to make. And then a warning. And the warning in verses 8 to 19, if you don't heed the warning, the consequences won't just be on you. They will ripple out in every direction. So an invitation, a choice, and a warning. Let's go to Proverbs 1. Let's start with verse 1. We will not read every verse of Proverbs in this series. There's a lot of, a lot of books we do. Just read every verse. What we're going to do is we're going to take the first 10, 11 chapters of Proverbs, maybe even through chapter 12, and then uh, there's a lot of themes that are established. We're going to go, we're going to read basically every word through the first third or so of the chapter of the, of the book, and then we're going to hit four topical things that Proverbs does uh, kind of over and over again, and that's uh, as we've got it, Lord willing, planned out for August. But for a while, we're going to read every word. So let's look at Proverbs 1, starting at verse 1. It says, the, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, 
king of Israel. And let's just pause, set up a couple of things for the rest of the book. We're not going to go line by line through Proverbs. That would just take way too long. So these are called Proverbs. Uh, the Hebrew word for what we're studying uh, comes from a verb that means it's, it's a representation or a similarity to something we would find in our lives. It's the same Hebrew for parable. So these Proverbs are memorable teachings that are meant to be like, they're meant to be like situations we may face. But we should also go in eyes wide open. These are not necessarily going to be our exact circumstances. So they should guide us, but they're not promises. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? They're guides, not promises. You can act wisely. You can read Proverbs and do everything well, but things still might turn out in a difficult way for you. This isn't a promise that if you do these things, everything lines up and is ducky for you, okay? This is how, when things are like this, we should approach them with wisdom in the Christian life. So they're meant to help us learn and prepare. Old Testament scholar Bruce Waltke says that the world's mantra is you live and learn. Proverbs is a book about learning to live. So think about it that way. And then it says they're from Solomon, son of David, the king of Israel. And that's important because some people have read this book of Proverbs and they come away saying, you know, sure, those things seem wise, but you don't need to be a Christian to learn most of that. And, and while that's actually true of many things in Proverbs, many things that God teaches his people are not inherently predicated on faith. Every single one of them could be learned from living in the world, but it takes on a deeper meaning when you know that these things came from the most supreme being that could ever live, be, and that everything he says finds his fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So let me give you two examples. So there's lots in here. There's lots in here that you could learn without faith in God. But everything you learn in here is better, makes more sense, will have a greater impact on your life if your faith is in Christ. So two quick examples. Let's take uh, the voices we listen to. We've already been talking about this. Uh, just about anyone could say it's best to listen to people who have a demonstrated track record of wisdom in their past. But when I say you could either listen, you have a choice, you could either listen to people who at best, if they're older, wiser, have maybe what, 30, 40, 50 year track record of making you know, mostly good decisions. But we know that people aren't perfect. They've undoubtedly made bad decisions in their lives. They're bound to make more. Or I could say, you, you could listen to God, who knows everything and every possibility of everything. And his son, Jesus, was the only person to ever live without making a single mistake, never a poor decision, never sinned, was never selfish, always did what was right. The choice of who we're best off listening to becomes obvious. So you can, you can read, listen to wise people. That can be kind of universal. That can be fine in the world. 
Or you could hear this and say, listen to wise people, and I'm going to listen to Christ, who's the wisest person ever to live. That's like on a whole new meeting. Another quick example. Uh, over and over again, the book of Proverbs talks about the effect that our words can have on people and situations. You can either use your words to encourage people, they can bring peace, or you can disparage people and you can divide. That's a really clear theme through Proverbs. Now, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The implication is daughters as well. That has an entirely different meaning. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should become sons of God. That is an entirely different way of landing when it comes from the Son of God. You can say it's good to be a peacemaker. Or you can say, when you are a godly peacemaker in the name of Christ, you become as a child of God would be. So the man who wrote these wasn't like a life coach, you know, trying to get a YouTube channel with his life hacks going. The man who wrote this was asking, what does the, the transcendent and imminent, meaning the everywhere and near God, of everything that is, what does he want me and the rest of his people to hear? So while these things may seem at times like they are wise to many people in the world, they are uniquely suited to the people of God under Christ given in the Word of God. So that's the essence of the invitation. You have available to you the wisdom of the all-knowing, almighty God. And then the question is, what will you do with it? The invitation is, and here's, here's how that comes. Let's look at verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So the invitation's twofold. Both parts are in verse 2, and then he unpacks it a little bit more. To know wisdom and instruction is to be a person of two things. First, deep character, and then to understand words of insight is to be somebody who understands how to navigate life. And you need both. You know, you need both Deep character and street smarts. You need both to navigate life, and that's what Solomon is going to lay out. It's possible to be somebody with great character, but just kind of the ins and outs, the practicalities of daily life escape some people. And then it's certainly possible to be street smart, but be a rotten person with no good character whatsoever. We, we see that all the time. But Proverbs, Proverbs is like the wisdom from James chapter 3. It's pure and open, open-handed, and it produces good fruit. So the goal of life isn't, according to Proverbs, to game the system. It's to finish the race and be told by God that you have been a faithful servant. 
And so the goal of Proverbs isn't to say, here's wisdom so that you can win at life. The goal of Proverbs is to say, here is wisdom so that through your life, you might be a person of godly and biblical character. And that will be anybody who's trusting in in Jesus. And then as we're near to Christ, godliness grows within us. Uh, so now we, get, now we get more about deep character and a little bit about applied wisdom. First, v- verses 3 and 4 uh, kind of elaborate on character. Look at those verses kind of as I say this. Uh, so the key here to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteous justice and equity, the key here is to see that character is developed. To receive instruction means you need to learn and you need to grow. The Bible's clear that none of us are born with godly character. Godly character is first given when you come to faith in Jesus and his righteousness becomes our righteousness and then it's grown in us by the Holy Spirit when he renews and he transforms in ongoing sanctification. That's what's outside of our control. Whether God gives you grace, whether he gives you the Holy Spirit, that's an act of his will. But that doesn't mean we do nothing. So look at what we do to cultivate godly character. It says there we receive instruction. Let me just stop right there with those words. We receive instruction. This might be the hardest part of Proverbs for some of us. Some translations say we receive discipline. It's the same idea. We don't know, and we need to learn. Sometimes we're taught those lessons, whether, whether we like them or not, whether we ask for them. And so deepening character requires an openness and humility. We just need to lay it out there. Some of us don't like to admit there's something we don't know, and we need to be taught it. Probably the hardest thing about going through Proverbs for some of us is saying, I'm a person who doesn't know this and I need to receive this instruction. I'm a person who hasn't done this and I need to be disciplined, discipled in it. We have to be humble to admit there's so much that we don't know. There's even more we don't do. And then we have to remain open to growing. So if you allowed me to speak one thing into your life, if you said, I will just give you a free pass, I'll hear one thing that you have to say, I'd probably use that one-time invitation to say that most people are not very open to receiving instruction. And that may include some of us. And I say us because I'm often in that category. And if we're, we're going to get even half out of Proverbs that God wants to give us from this book, we have to be open. It won't work if we're closed off. We have to be willing to ask, how does this apply to me? Before we think of all the ways that we could assign this to somebody else. And we have to accept that we're not done yet. You have blind spots. 
you have blind spots. And we, tr- we have to trust God and those that God would use to instruct us without hearing when our blind spots, when our failures and our shortcomings are pointed out to us, that these are not words of judgment and condemnation. So the, the reason, now hear this well, the reason that instruction or discipline often fails, it, the reason it, it often fails to change someone is because it's either given or it's received with pride. Sometimes it's both. If it's given from pride, it shuts people down because they feel like they're being talked down to. Somebody proud is talking down to them. But it's also possible to receive instruction with a pride, kind of a kind of pride that says, I can't deal with the possibility of failure. Uh, Either this is wrong because I can't believe that I could possibly fail. So what you're saying isn't right because I'm not doing anything wrong. Or maybe we know that it is right and we begin to think I'm such a failure that I begin to question whether or not I have any worth at all. And so we just kind of put up this barrier and say, I'm, I'm, I'm not open to anything. Either because, we, either because it is right or because we know it's right, but it's too hard to deal with. And the hope for both of these is Jesus in the gospel. In the gospel, Jesus tells us that we've already failed. You and I are abject failures, and we will continue to fail. But we should not be dismayed by that, because Christ on the cross has paid for our failure. He has taken it upon himself, and he has returned to us perfection, so that now when God looks at us, he isn't readying to punish us for sin. He's lavishing on us love because of grace. And so that's where hearing in the book of Proverbs starts. It starts by being saved by God in grace. But to hear it well, we need to know that being saved by God isn't what just happens at the beginning of our Christian life. It's what God does throughout our Christian lives. This is huge for the book of Proverbs. Uh, So have you ever thought of it this way? Uh, While you've been saved, if you're a Christian, it's actually more biblical to say, to make it a more full statement. I have been saved and I'm still being saved. That's much more biblical than just to say, I was saved when I was 12 or 22 or 32 or 92. Much more biblical to say, I have been saved and I am being saved. And that's where Proverbs will begin to make sense. Now, that doesn't mean you can lose your salvation. You can't, you won't. But in the same way, it's helpful not to think of our salvation as something that happened a while ago as if salvation was something we were doing in our past, but now we're supposed to be doing something else. Our salvation is what God has accomplished and is now working to implement in us. And that's where growing in wisdom and receiving instruction comes in. And that's a long process. So we shouldn't be discouraged when we get to places like, look look at verse five and six. Look look at how verse five and six categorize this. 
The wise are smart enough to know they need to keep learning. If you think you understand something, that's fine. But don't close yourself off to ongoing guidance. And we especially need verse 6 for the rest of the book. There will be Proverbs where you read and you say, what on earth is he talking about? It seems almost cryptic, foreign, it's confusing. Verse 6 is in here to say it's okay. As you learn, as you grow, when you are confused, stay open to what God is teaching you. What you don't have a clue about now, in time, God will teach you. And so here's what you, don't know, here's what you do if you don't understand one of these Proverbs. You don't give up and say, who can understand any of these things? You keep reading it. Read around it to see if there are clues there. Think if there's another place that you've read in the Bible that says something similar and see if that helps to kind of open it up for you. And then pray. Folks, God has not given us his word so that we might be kind of confused, mystified by it. He's given it to us so that we would be enlightened and encouraged. We would know more through it. So when you don't understand the word of God, pray and ask him for understanding. So that's the invitation. This is all for you. Secondly, we have a choice. We'll go quicker from here. Verse 7 is the choice. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is the theme of the book of Proverbs. Everything said from the rest of the book refers back here. If you want to know where anything starts... It's by fearing God and being in awe of him. Now, now, fearing God doesn't mean that you're afraid of him. It means that you understand the uprightness. It means that you have a sense of what is the right orderedness. That's not a word. I understand that. But we're going to use it anyway. You, you understand what the right orderedness is of centering your life on God and making worship of him your highest priority. The wise know that. And they live accordingly. Fools ignore it, and they live the way that they think is best according to them. So if there would be a phrase that captured our current moment, it would probably be something, kind of some form of be true to yourself. You know, we would distill that down into you do you. The exaltation of the self is the, not just the prevailing mood of our culture, it's becoming our culture's highest ideal. It's becoming a religion to many people. So for many people, themselves have become their religion. You go to a bookstore, the self-help section is massive. People are taking retreats to work on themselves. They're breaking off relationships and saying, it's not you, I need to just work on myself. And the idea behind that is what I need and my answer to my problems is inside of me. I just need to uncover it. I just need to release it. You've heard that. 
I just need to let what's inside of me come out, and then I will be whole and happy. Proverbs, friends, says no. If you want to be released, if you want to find yourself, if you want to be your best self, you want to live your best life, the answer isn't looking in, it's, it's looking up. We start by fearing God. It's fools who reject that. You think, well, that's awfully harsh. It's best that we hear it directly. Because with all the noise in our culture, we need something to cut through. The wise know that God is the answer. Fools reject that. The wise say what the Apostle Paul said when he wrote Philippians 3. Everything he had experienced, known, pursued up until the point of his conversion, everything he had built his life around was nothing. The way he said it was compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And talk about beginning of knowledge. So this is, this is what he writes. This is Philippians 10, 3, 10, and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's the choice. Will you begin with God, or will you foolishly begin someplace else? Finally, a warning. Verse 8 all the way to 19. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood, let us ambush the innocent without reason. Let Sheol, like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will we'll all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They said Ambu an ambush for them, their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who's greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Okay, so you might be thinking one thing. And I, I was the first time I read this. You might be thinking kind of, that's it? So Solomon finally gets to the Proverbs that we kind of have an introduction to this book. He comes off of verse 7. The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So now we, we launch into our journey of wisdom after he's said all that he, he hopes to impart in deep character and, and, and values. And his first piece of advice is, you know, don't join a gang. And, 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 you're, and you're thinking like, I was kind of primed for something good. I, I know I'm not in a gang. And so, you know, like, like all you've got is, okay, hey, let's go over to Walmart and we're going to wait behind the bushes and then we're going to jump somebody going in. And if somebody says do that, you don't do that. And you go, I, I don't, that's, that's obvious. And you're right, that's obvious. 
But here's why I think he starts, not just has it in the book, here's why I think he starts with this. Wisdom and who you are around and who you are listening to is going to be greatly influenced by who you put and who you allow to speak into your life. Who is around you will have an unparalleled influence on who you become. So Solomon starts with your friend group. Listen, don't fall in with the wrong people. My son, if you want wisdom, don't fall in with the wrong people. Whatever you do, we'll start there and we'll work it out from there. Put people around you who will help you, not hurt you. So the warning is, don't make the wrong choice about who you listen to because that's going to lead to the wrong choices about what you actually do. And usually, by the time you realize that, it's too late. So look at verse 18. The violent men think that they're going to harm and overpower others. But mostly what they're doing is destroying themselves. And the same thing is true for you. Uh, Now, for some people, it will be literal. The the consequences of mistakes will be lifelong. But really, for many of us, what we will lose if we throw our lot in with the wrong people will be harder to see, but it will still destroy us all the same. What we will lose might not be going to jail, but it might be joy and hope, and peace, and compassion, and what we will become is something callous, and indifferent, and something that doesn't resemble our Savior. So verse 19 shows us how upending the the wisdom of God is. Uh, The reason that people pursue unjust gain is because they will think, they think it will bring them a better life. That's the promise of unjust gain. You'll get something better, but it actually does the opposite. It robs you of the truest things in life. So Jesus said something really similar. Matthew, Matthew 16, 25, and a few other places in the Gospels. For, whatever would, for whoever sorry, would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you try to hold on really tightly to your life, the things that you value and think are important. What will happen is as your grip gets tighter, more of your life, more of what is true and right and good and precious will squeeze through your fingers. But if you can open your hand, kind of cup them, you can fill them up with all of the good things in life. He will beautify you. Eventually, he will glorify you. He will give you a life beyond what you thought was possible. If instead of trying to clench your life, you will open it up and hold it open-handedly. So let's, let's take this seriously. Folks, pay attention to who and what you are listening to. 
Who are you throwing your lot in with? What are they telling you to do? Who are they telling you to be? So here's, here's my sense, and then a little something from my own experience. The older we get, the more likely we are to be set in our mindset and set in our ways. Maybe we wouldn't say we know it all, but it's easier to say we know most of it And it's much harder to open ourselves and humbly and expectantly look for instruction and grow. Growing is really hard work. Being closed-minded is relatively easy compared to being open-minded. So let's fight that tendency according to the Word of God. Uh, One of the great paradoxes of wisdom is the wiser you are, the more you will see your need to keep growing. You could just say it like this. The wiser you are, the more you will see that you don't know. Look at verse five one more time. The wise hear and increase in learning. The one who understands receives guidance. Wise people learn. Understanding people look for more guidance. Fools don't. So the opposite of wisdom and understanding is what happens when we let sort of aging take its natural effect. It's much easier to get tired, and then we close down. It's harder to learn. It's harder to have our ideas and our assumptions challenged. And so we say, who wants to put in that kind of work? I'm just going to coast. Let's not do that. For the glory of God and our own good and the benefit of those around us, let's not do that. That's what fools do. Instead, let's pursue knowledge. Let's pursue wisdom. And that starts with fearing the Lord. So if you wonder, where do I start? You fear the Lord. If you want to fear the Lord, where do you start with that? You look at the cross. You can't see Christ on the cross for what it truly is and ever think yourself to be very wise again. So let me, let me just say that again because I, I think it needs to land with us. You can't look at Christ on the cross and see what that truly is and come away from that thinking, I am an awfully wise person. To think that what the purest most humble, wisest man to ever live did for the proud and difficult, self-centered sinners like you and me will undo any presumptions of your own glory. And the only thing you can do is if you rightly see it is become a true and ardent worshiper of God. You will, if you see the cross the right way, want more of him and less of yourself. You will want to know more of what he thinks and the wisdom of the world will begin to sound silly for you. And you will actually be a little afraid of him. Not because he's angry with you, but because he loves you so much 
that the depth of his love can actually be a little overwhelming. I am sometimes overwhelmed by the love that my daughters have for me. And it's because, by the grace of God, they see me so much better than I truly am. They think I'm basically perfect. And I know I'm so, so far from that. That's why it's a little overwhelming to see how much God loves us. Because we know we're not worthy of it. But he lavishes upon us with grace. And so here's what I'm going to do. In the coming weeks, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what we learned about our congregation, all of us, myself included. We took a survey about how we're consuming social media and current events and news and how that relates to what we're taking in the Word of God. Just be prepared for this. I'm going to invite you to do something that I'm going to do. And it's not starting this week. I'm going to roll it all the next couple weeks. But I'm just going to invite you to take in a whole lot less news and to basically do no social media for a little period of time, just to see how that goes for us. And as a church, I'm going to invite us to spend a lot more time in the Word of God. So we're going to, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to call you that. I'm not going to require that. I I have no power to do that, but I'm just going to, I'm going to lay that out over the next couple of weeks. Just what if we did this? Just, Just a time together. Less things coming in, more Bible open, more prayer. Our Savior is a congregation located in Wheeling, Illinois. Our vision can be summed up in four words, building community, bringing Christ. To learn more about this vision and our hope for our neighborhood, visit us online at osefc.org.